Uh, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. For those of us who are here, let's quickly take our declaration because we're going to teach a bit before we start praying. We're going to t- uh, take our declaration of understanding as we usually do. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. If the Lord will bless you again today and you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. And as you have declared, that will be your portion in the name of Jesus. The word of God will come expressly into your heart. It will give you light. It will give you direction. It will heal you in every area. And it will make you more than ever before in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles to... Uh, the book of Daniel again, which we have been reading for some time. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Because we have read it severally, now I will even be um, shorter in my reading than before. Daniel said at a particular time, in verse 2, in the first year of the reign of Darius, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, that is, 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord, the Lord God, to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. What was I doing? I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. That is, God is righteous, he was saying. God is faithful. He never does what is wrong. He is faithful. He keeps his covenant. He keeps his commandments. The problem is in verse 5. We sinned. So he was confessing. We have sinned, committed iniquity, and acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Let me just really say something here. Bear this in mind. First problem was they committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled. All of this in turning aside from the commandments and ordinances. The second problem, which is always the problem with people, the second problem, please notice it carefully. When you sin like that, God sends correction. God sends prophets. God sends people to tell you you have done that which is wrong. Then, if you now want to die in your sins, do what I'm about to say. <laughs> Refuse to re- listen to correction. Just by the way, that is the sin unto death. John said there are two kinds of sins. There is a sin that is not unto death, and there is a sin that is unto death. I've meditated over this for a long time. 
I've heard different explanations for which sin is unto death and which one is not unto death. And what I have come to the conclusion concerning, that's all of this from reading the scriptures, is that when the prophet comes and you still do not change your ways, then you are now committing a sin that is unto death. Before you are corrected, you are in sin. You are, like let's use the words of um, Daniel, you are committing iniquity, you are acting wickedly, and you are in rebellion. All of this because you have turned aside from the Lord's commandments and his ordinances. He said, moreover, the moreover is when correction comes. The moreover is when prophets come. The moreover is when somebody, because prophets don't all come looking like Elijah. They don't all come looking like um, John the Baptist. Sometimes prophets come like as a friend. Sometimes prophets come as your pastor in church. Sometimes prophets comes, prophets come as the pastor you just tune to on television, all right, to watch his program. Sometimes prophets come as your friends, like I mentioned, who just bring a word of correction to you. If you don't listen, you are going to go into captivity. If you don't listen, you will be judged. If you don't listen, not the devil, God himself will apply his punishment in your life. That was what John was saying. John said, if we see a brother committing a sin that is not unto death, correct him. That is, that is pray for him. All right? And God will grant life because you prayed. What was he saying? The man does not know what is right. The woman does not know what is right. So you understand that, so you go and pray. And then, one of the things God does, like I said, God never blesses disobedience. He might overlook. The best your prayer can do is to cause his judgment, her judgment to be suspended. The fellow must be corrected if there will be a blessing in that life. So, either through your mouth or through somebody else's mouth, the Lord will bring correction to the individual. If that fellow still rebels, God forbids you from continued prayer for that individual. If you know what is right and you deliberately continue to do it, we will not pray for you. That's what John said. He said, because you have no effect anyway. We can pray another prayer for you. Please, not we'll never pray. We can pray that God will give you understanding. We can keep on praying, but that God will not punish that rebellion. Forget that prayer. Don't waste your energy. And just by the way, you know, I do that a lot. If I set on my message, we go one digest on one tangent because we have to keep learning. Be very afraid. If people bring correction to you, you know, I've been teaching about the fear of God. Let me tell you what the fear of God means. People say, don't fear God like you fear a rattlesnake. Well, maybe, maybe, but like I say, fear is worse than a rattlesnake anyway. But the point I'm going to say is this. What does fear, fear of God mean? All right? The fear of God means that understand that there are consequences from his hands. That is the meaning of the fear of God. Understand that there are consequences from his hands. Consequences for disobedience. Consequences for rebellion. Consequences for walking iniquity. Consequences especially for refusing correction. Bear in mind though. So even if, listen to what I want to say, okay? Because very few people, okay, I withdraw the proportional statement. I assume that a lot of us will not continue to do what is wrong if we knew it was wrong. Are you getting my point? So what happens a lot of times is that we don't know it's wrong, that's why we do it. So except you are going to run my life. I mean, you see, because, because of this ministry work and because we broadcast and all of that, people do send emails to us once in a while. And I've had a few emails telling me that my head is not correct. They didn't say it like that. One fellow said that people like me, they are leading people astray. 
that I should write him so that he will pray for me, so that God will forgive me. I'm telling you. <laughs> a man walked up one day, wanted to see me. This was long ago. And what is it? He said that um, the Lord has checked my works and I'm not doing badly, but I'm not meeting up. I didn't quarrel with him. He said he's a prophet. Why I don't quarrel is that let God send a prophet to you and you harden your heart. So I'll just tell you thank you, sir. The one that said I'm leading people astray, I quickly checked. Am I leading them astray? Okay, I'm leading them away from the devil towards Jesus Christ. If that is astray, well, no problem. Uh, oh, oh, you think that everybody, in fact, when I get messages like that once in a while, I'm very happy. There are those who have written us mails, angry with what I said. If I remember one fellow who said that, how can I say that the way I'm talking about those who sow seed, that I should withdraw what I have said or we should remove it from our mailing list. I said, oh God, we are going to cry. You are leaving our mailing list. We are going to cry. Nonsense. I said, oh. He had done us a favor listening to us. Of course, we gladly obliged him. Never got a mail from us again. There was no reply. People have been angry that I said that some people are false prophets. Some of those will get replies. I said, apparently you don't know there are false prophets. Because the way somebody will talk, you just know this person has no idea that the concept of false prophets exists. We just helped the individual. I sent a lot of scriptural quotes for him to know that false prophets and true prophets can look alike. And I have, my, I have a right to my opinion. If I say some people are false prophets, you can reject it. I have the right to my opinion. But some don't even know that they are false prophets. <laughs> the one that made me laugh, you know, one day I stumbled into a chat about me on, on one Nigeria blog, you know, this, one of the social media platforms. So they're talking about the one Pastor Banky. Some say, ah, they like him. They don't, one guy said that the only thing he doesn't like about me <laughs> that they had a good laugh. He said, I only listen to prophets I trust. Do you get my point? That I only listen to prophets that I trust. So I, I wish I had knew a person. I said, oh boy, are you all right? So you listen to prophets you don't trust? That I say some prophets are not uh, genuine. Ah, I said, bros. So what is wrong with that? You want me to listen to prophets I don't trust? You don't know prophets lie? Now, why am I going to do that? So, corrections will come to you. So except you are going to run my life. I can't listen to everything you say. I can't change my life because of what you say. People have written us before that they don't like the way I preach. I should become more organized. I'm not kidding. Ah, if I oh, <laughs> that one, if I remember that particular, it just made me laugh. I wasn't angry when I when I when I when I saw the mail. I wasn't angry. I just laughed. We, we obliged that person in reply. I said, please. And um, that please, just stick with our radio messages and our books. Those ones are more organized. There, there was no quarrel. I said, please, just stick with the radio messages and the books. All right? But my normal preaching is what some people like, the way I'm so thoroughly disorganized. I have tried to be organized in my life. Holy Spirit departed from me. I don't know what I've told you the story before. I went to preach. I, I planned, plotted. I arranged my points. Point one, point two. I wrote everything down. Hmm? 
two days program, University of Benin. I came. They introduced me. I mounted the pulpit. I began to preach. After preaching for some time, I knew I, I knew I was on my own. I struggled. I struggled. This was something I had, you know, plenty notice. I struggled. After the meeting that day, oh, we're blessed. I said, self-deceiving yourself. In my mind, self-deceiving yourself. You just want me to feel happy. So I went home. I went and prayed. Not home, I mean, where I was staying. I went and prayed. And what just came to my mind was that your message is well planned. So you know what I did? I took the, the script, the, my points. I took the paper, tore the paper, which I had prepared for weeks, and threw it in the dustbin. So next day before the program, I spent some time praying. And when it was time to go, I so made sure I was not prepared that I did not carry a Bible. Deliberately, I left my Bible behind in the room, didn't take any paper. I just dressed up and walked straight to the venue. The time they called me up to come and preach, I was walking up front. I stopped. Can I borrow your Bible? I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. As I was walking from my seat to the front, I just stopped by somebody's uh, chair. Excuse me, can I borrow your Bible? He said, yes, thank you. I'll give you after the meeting. That was the Bible I used. I, did, I said, today, this Holy Spirit must stay here. <laughs> today, Holy Spirit, no, no, no. This one you did to me yesterday, it won't happen again. That was when I said, I must not be organized again in my life. When I start preaching, anytime the Holy Spirit wants to move in one direction, I follow. I follow, sharp, sharp. So the anointing can flow. I always say that I have my plans, but I tell the Holy Spirit, please, so you know, my plans just to give me confidence to come. Once I stand here, anything you like. So the person who wrote us, I said, please, oh, go and listen to our, because books, you know, you have time. You write it over weeks, over weeks. So, and then, even in the books, I still, I still go left and right, but I'm forced to come back to the center. So, make a long story short. People sometimes want to offer you correction, but I can't keep changing my life because of something somebody is saying. Because if somebody says something and I change because of that, another person will, will get offended and change. So, so I, I, I can't just sway my life up and down because of people's opinions. And we're all like that. So what are you saying, you, you will ask me. Whatever it is you say, I think about it. Whatever it is you say, if it sounds like rebuke, you're angry, least I do is just pray about it. Do you get my point? It's only after prayer and meditation that I decide to forget it if I don't think it's right. That's what I'm going. So anytime correction is brought to you, please, don't stubbornly refuse. Listen at least. I'm not saying change. Do what? Listen. I have seen people get angry because they told, see, I have two in mind now. The first one I can say, I observed the fellow's life. It didn't turn out well. And I still remember very well. And it was somebody, his friends gathered and said, please, let's help you. If you have friends that gather because of you, be happy. Be grateful to God, though. Call it gossip. That's your problem. That friends can gather and say, ha. What this my that our brother or our sister is doing is not right. And then they now came and told you that yesterday we were gathered because of you. We were gossiping about you. You know, once they tell you that it's no longer gossip, I don't know whether you're getting my point. Once they come up to you and tell you that it's no longer gossip. 
So after gossiping about you for two hours, we decided that your head is not correct. So we have come with screwdriver, hammer, chisel, to rearrange the part of your head that's not correct. And they start analyzing it for you. Please, I'm begging you, no matter how wrong they are, don't get angry. Because the people I'm thinking about now, all of them, what they do is, I have to in my mind, they flare up in severe anger. I'm not talking about small anger. Anger that remains for a long time. Listen to me, if you are like that, let me tell you what the Bible says about you. He said, he that is often reproved, but who hardens his heart, he said, will be suddenly broken without remedy. You hear what I said? Without remedy, there will be no remedy. When the fellow will be broken, there will be no remedy. You have friends that gather and tell you you are wrong. You see, you know what I said? I didn't say they are right. right. One thing you must never do is get angry. Take, go and settle down. Think about it. Most importantly, take it to prayer. If the Lord doesn't agree with them, it will fizzle away. If he agrees, please change. What the Bible says is that they have delivered your soul from death. That's an aside. That's not the main message. That one just caught my eye there. It's something that I knew before, but I didn't even, I've been reading this again and again. It didn't catch me. It catch my attention that Daniel showed the difference. First, we went astray. Then, on top of that, he said, moreover, we did not listen to your prophets. Because, and that tells you another thing. Prophets don't come to tell you the number of your car. Prophets don't come to make you feel happy. The primary duty of prophets is to call you to what? Order, repentance, correction. That's their primary duty. So what makes somebody a genuine prophet? It's not that he, he prophesied something and it came to pass. That's not the primary thing. Is this man a genuine prophet or not? Check it. Is he? Is she leading us to repentance? I like to say this once in a while. One of my favorite statements. You know how you know a false prophet? Number one way you know a false prophet, especially in Africa of today, and particularly in Nigeria, is that all your problems, they help you look for who's causing it. That fellow is false. Even if you were there when he was baptized, and he gave his life to Christ, he's a false prophet, she's a false prophet. I know some of you don't agree, I will say it again. I'm on my platform. It's between God, my wife and I, and some of my brethren, we started this thing. You can't sack me from this church. Amen? <laughs> there are churches that they will threaten you with sack. They will, pro- they will transfer you to where you will suffer. Nobody can transfer me. So I will say what I want to say. Amen? Amen. Let me even put up my hand when I want to say it so that you know I'm not saying it with fear. A false prophet is one that when you go and say you have a problem, he starts checking who is responsible. That fellow is false. I know your pastor does it. You just have a false prophet as a pastor. Ah, I want to say it one more time. You want to pray. Pastor, pray. Says pray. <laughs> every power, everybody that says you not progress. They after praying, that starts thinking. Yes, I see two people. They are in a coven right now. They are lighting candle and pouring chicken blood. Just get up and go away. 
that fellow is blind. I'm telling you. I hope you heard me there. I've not stopped. Oh. I'm still talking. Oh. If he wants to dig up the ancestral cause in your family, he doesn't know what he's saying. Oh, look, now, let me leave the area of those who are absolutely false. The first set, absolutely false. The confused ones are the ones that want to tell you that there's a smell on your head. Spiritual smell. You have, now, I want to go into interesting areas. You have a spirit husband. You have a spirit wife. And that's the reason why you can't get married or you can't get, just know you are not born again. If you hear that, if they told you that before, let me just give you deliverance now. After this meeting, just wait behind. See this man of God. He will baptize you tomorrow in a crocodile. (laughs) Don't worry. Okay, he will find one without crocodiles or alligators. If he baptizes you, if your spirit husband does not leave you alone, then that prophecy was false. If your spirit wife doesn't go away after that, because if anyone is in Christ, it's a new creature. What do genuine prophets do for you? What do they say to you? They will point you to the cross. That's first. They will point you to the cross. They will let you know that you have been delivered in Christ Jesus. That's number one. Number two, they never point to anybody else as a cause of your problems. They dig into your life. They will dig into your life. Because Jesus said, the, the, the prince of this world is coming. And he has what? Nothing in me. So, true prophets go for something. They look for that something that might be in you that's allowing these evil spirits to hold on to you. They don't care about who sent the spirit or who's conjuring up whatever. They care about why should they have a hold in your life. That hold is what they seek to break. Once, my wife and I were having a discussion about somebody who had issues in the family. And one prophet now corrected the issues with a form of prophecy. I told my wife this deliverance is partial. I said, because this prophet has not identified the real issue. That this one now, the fellow will fall into another bondage tomorrow. Because it's like, you know, they come now and say that, uh, let me give an example. They said, you're having problems in your family because your wife is a witch. And that prophet now came and deciphered that the wife is not a witch. Are you getting my point? And everybody was not happy. I said, they, even solved the, they have not solved the problem. A third prophet will, prophet will come and find that the first son is a witch. Once prophets are running your life like that, you are, you are, in, you are in bondage. Hey, by the way, I feel like dropping this again. If you are sending money to anybody that's praying for you, your head is not working. Did you already say? If you have a spiritual contractor that's generating power for you while you are walking about aimlessly and carelessly, you won't, you won't last though. Did I say you shouldn't give to a man of God? Is that what I said? It's a different matter. You can give out of honor. You want to honor somebody. But that, um, my wife, yes, my husband, have you sent money to professor so and so and so? You know, this week is the week we are going for that negotiation. Let him be praying. That negotiation will fail. 
If he succeeds, you have entered a trap. <laughs> and if you are a prophet, a Christian, they are paying you for that kind of prayer. Just know that you are exhausting your. You soon die. That is just watch your life. Is your life they are using to operate? It's witchcraft. If you are supposed to live to be eighty years, each prayer you offer one year gone. So all your clients they are shortening your life bit by bit. I told you about one boy ahead of him. Did he say no? Used to fast for people. If you go to a prophet. And they say, you need to fast for five days. I say, ah, bros, I have an exam. I can't pass for f- fast for five days. <laughs> you pay this joker. They will fast for you for five days. Assume, he can tell you that one day is 1,000. So you give him 5,000. So he will not eat because of you for five days. At the end of five days, you now go to and meet the prophets that you have done five days. Confession did this world do. Human beings actually think that Jesus listened to all those prayers. When I heard that, I said, is that boy okay? Uh, they said, he don't die. Oh, so okay, he must have died. <laughs> no, the boy died. Oh, he died. He died. People are playing with things. Listen, let me just, as a Christian, eh, take this thing seriously. Don't dabble with spiritual. Sons of Skiva came. They say, we are joy in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. The demon say, ye, mugbe, insult. Jesus, I know. Paul has harassed us, harassed us, harassed us. You small, small boys want to join again. The anger I have against Paul, the frustration I have about Jesus Christ, I'm going to combine the two on you people. If they did not run that, they would have killed all of them. Many people are dabbling into funny spiritual things, and that's why they die. To one of my friends, he, was going, he, went to, he went to one pastor's place. They decided to pray. So the pastor now said, ah, he sees trouble, he sees trouble, he sees trouble. When they are telling you, they see death around you, say, Amen, I'm free in Jesus' name. Leave me alone. <laughs> Don't let anybody order your life. We've seen death around you. You say, Death around you, say, Let it stay there. She'll be around. Abby? <laughs> you didn't tell me you saw how I died. That's what they do, my friend. Though. They pass on that gradim and they pray from any good to nature. They didn't leave a spot, so they divided the road into sections. They were casting and binding and casting and binding. God just left my friends here. Yeah. Go and fight your battle. Those demons beat. They beat. He said to me, he said, huh. he said, Pastor Banky, I almost died. He said, I almost died. That the next one week I was so sick. I laughed at him. I said, when God sent Fela to you, he did not know Fela was a prophet. He said, trouble sleep. Yeah, God, go wake up. He said, you should have just, they said they are binding the road. I said, you should have just started your car and driven on the road. He that dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Just go about your business. I beg, don't dabble into all these funny, funny spiritual things. Sending somebody money to be praying for you. And, and for those of you, if you are a real Christian, you know, there are two kinds of funny people out there. There are those who don't know Christ at all. They came to this thing as a business. Sometimes, they go and collect occultic powers. Sometimes they just use tricks. They don't have any occultic power. Some of them are straight magicians. The other day I saw a video on, you know, this America Got Talent, all this kind of, they were doing one for magicians. You know, my face, my mouth opened when I saw magic. This is television. No? That is, I, I couldn't believe what I was saying. 
If people come and do magic for you, you think they are prophets. Please just go and sit down and watch magic. It's not as if I like magic. I just want to deliver you from this awe of prophets. I see prophets. Magicians. They collected money from this guy. What is his name? Footballer. Amokaji. With magic. They told him he could not play a game because God was angry with him because he had not been paying tithes for all the hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars he earned. How did they prove it? They said he should bring an egg. He brought an egg. He should bring the white handkerchief. He should put the white handkerchief on his knee. He put it on his knee. They said he should break the egg. He broke the egg. Blood came out of the egg. Egg that he bought himself. Egg. They didn't bring the egg from their home. He brought it himself and didn't give it to them. He handled it by himself and broke it by himself and blood came out. Now it impressed him because he hadn't watched magic. If you watch magic, it will impress you. Magicians have done worse. A magician will take your ring, this one I saw, and feed your ring to his dog, and tell the dog to lay an egg. And then a complete egg, you break your ring falls out from inside. What I they do with the cultic power or trickery power, I don't know. But it doesn't impress me. Do you understand my point? But you see, we have not seen, they'll be following prophets. Prophets. And they're all over Nigeria. The biggest one in Lagos, he, said, he was a magician. Maybe a bit of occultism. But now he doesn't need occultism or magic again. The press, the hype around him keeps the thing going. Listen, there are some, settle, settle your head down and learn scripture. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, learn the word of God. Operate with God's word. Don't let anybody be deceiving you. Like I said, there are two kinds of prophets, right? Clowns like that. There are people like that, magicians, jokers. They call the name of Jesus. Don't worry. Jesus will tackle them soon. He left them for a while. You know, he will soon tackle them. When he wants to tackle them, he will tackle them. Listen to my words. Brutally. Oh, I've told people, you don't want to meet an angry Jesus. When you meet Jesus that is angry, a rock falling on you is safer. He's going to tackle them. The second set of prophets are this one that are, they are true, genuine Christians. But because teaching the truth does not grow the church easily like that. It doesn't bring money. People will collect prayer and they won't give you anything. <laughs> so you have to find a way to whine and collect your offering. Now, they are the ones I want to talk to now. If you are like that, people like that often hold Christians in bondage. Yeah, they do. They don't want it to be free. If you are free, they won't get money. They find a way to keep you dependent on them. They are genuine Christians themselves. But they just don't understand enough, maybe, or they deliberately are disobeying the order of the Spirit. So they, they prefer to keep you in bondage. They will tell you you can't travel until they pray for you. They will tell you they are the cover over your head. Anything you want to do, you have to lay it before them. They will give you the prophetic blessing, the apostolic blessing. They have to conjure one this thing. So everything you are doing, before you realize what's happening, you are dependent on them for spiritual strength. So many of the offerings you send to such people, they are not offerings of honor. You are servicing, like one man said, you are servicing your prophet. My wife remembers the message I'm talking about. One man said the reason why they have not broken through is that they have not serviced their prophet. It sounds so nice, but let me tell you, it's so unchristian. You need to service your prophet. Does it not even sound like Babalao to you? 
Hey, please, in case any of you was thinking of servicing me, warn yourself. Just warn yourself. Now, I'm just warning you. If you want to give me a gift, let it be a gift of what? Honor. I say, Pastor Banky, look, you have been a blessing to me. Not servicing my prof- your prophet so I can continue to pray for you. Nonsense prayer. Prayer that you have to <laughs> buy with offering. The prayer we pray for you is the one that comes from my heart. And listen to me, for your information, I pray for you all the time. I don't even have to mention your name. There's a prayer I pray. I notice from scripture. I pray for anyone who pays attention to what I'm saying. Why? That's what God requires. He requires me to do that. So that the word is energizing. The word has life in itself. But when you minister to people, you have to pour, that is, invoke a spirit, the spirit of God upon the words that you speak. So Jesus, he did it when he was praying for disciples. I pray not only for them, but for those who may hear and believe through their words. Jesus had to leave those prayers. And so we need it also as Christians, those of us who minister. Pray for those who listen to the words you are, you are preaching. And I always pray for myself that, God, that I will not lie to them. That I will say the thing that will glorify Jesus. So if you are a prophet like that, God will soon retire you. That's what I was going to. Stop that. That's not Christianity. It's not Christianity. Genuine prophets, they call people, in fact, what they want, if you're a real prophet, a real Christian prophet, what you want is for people to know God so well that you are not necessary in their lives. Did you hear what I said? So Paul said, I have not withheld anything from you. I have given you the whole counsel of God. What is the operation? I want you to know Jesus Christ personally. I don't want you to be dependent on me. Now, this is not like Paul didn't want to pray for them. This is the same man used to ask them to pray for him. True of us. So we pray for one another. It's part of Christianity. So nothing wrong with telling, telling me, for example, ah, Pastor, like one of my friends, you say, ah, Banky, did I tell you my wife is going to labor, is going to hospital tomorrow? She's about to deliver. He said, eh, okay. I said, I want you to put us in your, in your prayers. Do you get my point? And he's a friend. I'm not his prophet. Nothing wrong with that. Ah, Pastor, we're sending an exam tomorrow. If I want to tell me, I, before I even say anything, I start praying for you. That is right. There's nothing wrong with it. We are brethren. We can join hands together and agree in prayer. You understand? But I'm not your babalao that has pastor prayed. He has not prayed. Send him an offering so he can pray. The one I collect the offering said, the venison. Now provoke, you know, there's a place we get to. We take what is good. We spoil it. We turn it into a mechanical thing. We turn it into a form of, you know, occultic practice. It's not supposed to be like that. So a genuine prophet, he wants to know what separated you from God. And he will correct you. A genuine prophet is so focused on your relationship with God. He's not checking which Babala was in your family. He knows that the Babala was operation cannot affect you. He knows. If you really, you know, that's what I said. Just make sure your faith is genuine. Build your faith up every day. That's what you need to do. Come out from amongst them and be separate. And do not touch the unclean thing. That's what genuine prophets do. They're not fighting. No, I saw one man one day. <laughs> he said, anywhere. 
There are people who are hanging between earth and heaven on your keys. I hang and I jam them. Listen, if you're a pastor, I've told you, you will enjoy yourself. If anybody is hanging between heaven and earth for your sake, just ignore the individual. I hope you get my point. You know, there's one I see all the time. They say, they say, they say, witch in the tree in your compound. Don't deliver the witch. Leave it there. If I go there, pour anointing oil around the tree. Say, you must not come out. <laughs> you mustn't come out. Some people say, let's deliver. I say, why are you delivering the tree? The witches are so nice. There's land in your compound. They didn't, they didn't plant yam. They didn't build a house. They looked for one tree and they stayed inside. They didn't come into the house. You have a roof. You have rooms. They didn't stay in the... If they were inside, they stay inside the roof and I said, we'll deliver them. But they went for the tree. Ah, if I were you, uh, John Hans, say, anything inside the tree, may you never come out again. Stay there. You will suffocate <laughs> inside the tree. Probably doing deliverance will drive the witches from the trees. Why? Why? It's obvious your business is not doing well. If your business was doing well, you'd be so busy. You'd be chasing witches about. Mary Kay said they told her she was sick. She was a doctor. You know what she told the doctor? I'm coming. He said, I was so busy I forgot about the sickness. So the sickness left me alone too. Yeah, that's what she said. She had pains in her hands. And they told her that she had rheumatoid arthritis. So she told the doctor, okay, I've heard. I'll be back. And she never went back. She said, I was so busy. The rheumatoid arthritis left me. I didn't have time to give it any attention. That's a digression. That's why they say, I'm scattered. <laughs> that's why we come again and say, I'm scattered. I beg. The Lord is good. So please, that's his digression. Like I said, please, let's bear that in mind. Okay? Correction is important. Prophets, they come to us to realign us with the order of God. That's for our personal lives. Don't look for any prophet that will help you pray against your enemies. You are as guilty as that prophet yourself. Look for how you will go closer to God in your everyday walk. And the power of God as a result of that will be manifested in your life. If there's any cut, any obstruction, any lack of flow, you are are responsible. The witch is not responsible. Your grandfather's sin is not responsible. You hear what I said? You don't need family deliverance. You need family give your life to Christ. Do you get my point? You like the way I said it? Let everybody, everybody needs family what? Bible study. Thank you. The family will repent. The family will, be, will give their life to Christ. You know, like they happened in the house of Cornelius. When Peter was coming, Cornelius gathered everybody, even Bingo had to sit outside the door. So everybody must hear this thing. Everybody must hear it. You cannot deliver those who are not repenting. I hope you are aware of that. You just concentrate the demon in their lives alone. You can't. You can't deliver them. So what do you need? Family gathering. Family prayer. Family declaration of the word. Like Israel said, family thanksgiving. In fact, family should just gather and say, this one that God has done for us. Let's even thank him for it. Let's thank him for it. <laughs> One day Israel told me something. I had a good laugh. So people got and said they want to do family deliverance. I said, hey, you have this amount of money to pay a contractor. <laughs> I never knew. Say, <laughs> so why don't we gather and just give God thanks for the one he has done? That's what your family needs. They don't need family deliverance. 
Remember the woman came to me in Abuja, then I went to minister. She talked, we spoke. After some time, ah, something in me was just unsettled. As if she was about to leave, I said, Madam, come. Wait, are you planning to organize family deliverance? She smiled. Ah, I said, whoa, you don't miss Sam. I said, no wonder God said you should talk to me. Your father was, was a babalao. Your brothers were apprentice babalaos, and all of them were business people. And they gave their lives to Christ. He said the business was not moving as before. I said, how can he move as before? How will he move? You said, check him. The business he was doing before is not doing it again. These boys were cheating and stealing and doing all kinds of things. They are not doing it again. Of course, that's what is called a trial of your faith. They said the demons are angry. Demons are always angry. Have you ever seen happy demons? <laughs> so why do you think your case is special? There are no happy demons. They are consistently angry. I told her that, I said, please, my sister, what your, your father, especially because the father, of course, would be elderly at that time, what your um, brothers need is patience and then learning the ways of the kingdom. I mean, you can't imagine that if this is our guy, let me not popularize him by mentioning his name, but the one they collected in Dubai I'm, 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 and sent to America, that they found so, I mean, $40 million there about in cash with him. Okay, let us assume that he's guilty. Let us assume they sent him to prison. Let us assume that after 15 years he comes out of jail and he gives his life to Christ. Does he expect to come back and see be harassing the whole of all the young people in Nigeria on social media? Of course not. All the critical years of your life, that instead of you to learn a trade and learn a business, you were there jobbing people. You, you think God oh, will forgive you and like that. No, you now go back. Your brother that was dead has now begun to live. That's what the, the father said. You now go and learn something that you will do. One man met me once in Enugu. They said he should go and learn metal works. He came to me and said that I'm not happy. You know, I didn't know that time. He has, been, he has never been straight in his life. He has been to prison, been here. Finally, he gave his life to Christ. They, as a free man, they now attached him to the church that was helping him, put him somewhere to learn a trade. He said he was not happy. I didn't understand that. Laziness, a lazy man can never be happy with hard work. Nothing spiritual. It's not about calling. Any lazy man you find that says he's called to ministry, tell him, I have a job for you. Give him a job first. Everybody that Jesus called, go and check. They were busy. It took him three encounters to get Peter to leave fishing alone. See, man will wake up, read book he will not read. He says he said that he's praying that God called him to ministry. Let me not go there. Apostle, if I go there, I'll really be scattered today. <laughs> I found out later that guy's problem was laziness. He had never worked in his life. And because he had no education, he had no skill, he was difficult to rehabilitate. Everybody that tries to rehabilitate him, he'll run away. Because the only thing they could do is to make him learn a trade. He had to go to one workshop and learn. But he wasn't willing to do it. He was solely seeing visions. When Elijah called Elisha, did you see what Elisha was doing? Some people are under a tree, picking their teeth, waiting for a prophet to come and call them. God will leave you there for a very long time. If you want God to call you, go and get something you are doing. Get busy. Just go and join boys who are washing cars. Do something. God will call you faster. If you stay inside traffic, sharing that tracks, he won't, he won't answer you. 
The Lord is good. I mean, can I sit on my message? This message does not want. So some people are looking for deliverance. You need deliverance from laziness. You need deliverance from impatience. You need deliverance from wanting to meet up with your mates. That's what you need deliverance from. The Lord is good. Now, let's get back to what we're doing, all right? Holy Spirit, I beg now. Let's try. <laughs> Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done anyway. <laughs> so, what happened here? Their problem came from two dimensions. We explained. One, they disobeyed God. They were walking in iniquity. So Daniel was praying for them. And he said that the second problem they had was that they disobeyed the prophets. That's why I went into that. Now, Daniel's prayer began because he saw what God had planned for the people. Daniel's prayers began because he saw that 70 years had passed and the people were still in captivity. You will notice something. It did not happen automatically. That because God said they would be there for 70 years, at the end of 70 years, they would just go. At the end of 70 years, somebody had to see the mind of God. Somebody had to discover the will of God, which was what Jesus told us about. Pray like this, that it will be done on earth. Not as, as it is being done in heaven. Many of us misinterpret that. What he said is that, you, that it will be done on earth as it is recorded in heaven. As it has been predetermined in heaven. That will be done on earth as it is written from heaven. Now, here, Daniel saw the will of God that was written by Jeremiah as the mind of heaven concerning what God would do for the people of Israel. So he began to pray. He prayed for them that that word would now come to pass. And he said something we mentioned the other time. We, he said, he did not point his finger at them and us. Even though we know the story of Daniel. From his youth, he feared God. They came into captivity, he maintained his fear of God. With all the trouble in Babylon, he maintained his purity, he and his brothers. So, really, he's the kind of person that shouldn't have gone for baptism. Now, you get my point? That because I'm just talking about Jesus Christ now. Jesus went into that baptism to unite himself with the sinners. John looked at him and said, I'm the one that needs baptism from you. But Jesus said, let it be so for now, to fulfill what? All righteousness. Now, when he said that, I wondered for a long time. But what I now understand is that he was uniting himself with the people that he was going to save. That's what he was doing. He did not need baptism. Daniel did not need it, this kind of prayer for himself. He wasn't walking in sin. He is not the reason the people came into captivity. It was the sin of the elders, the sin of the nation. But he didn't say because of that he will pray for them. He prayed for us. He kept on saying, we have sinned. We committed iniquity. We acted wickedly. We rebelled. We turned away from your commandments and ordinances. We did not listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. He continued to describe the righteousness of God. He said, righteousness belongs to you, O God, O Lord, but to us open shame. We deserve it. You are righteous in all your ways. He said, as it is this day, he said, Open shame belongs to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel. Those who are nearby and those who are far away in all the countries to which you have driven them. Why? Because of their unfaithful deeds, which they have committed against you. Open shame belongs to us. He claimed it again. Oh Lord, to our kings. You understand? He said, because we sinned against you. 
See what he was trying to say there. He was not separating himself. And if you want to pray for the church of Christ effectively, be careful not to separate yourself. I said something the other time. Treat yourself as a captain of the ship that you cannot leave that boat until everybody has been rescued. Just have that mentality. You want to pray, it is us. You unite yourself. I need to say something again. Because, you see, prayer is, you know, is weighty if the understanding is right in the heart. For example, now we are already explaining this, the fact of, of identification. You can't separate yourself. So you know it's a us thing. The other thing you must bear in mind, I just want to remind us of it, is how crucial the prayer is. Listen to this order again. Even though I've said it many times over the last many weeks, I just feel like repeating it again. On the earth today, there is a pandemic affecting every corner of the globe. God shows mercy, definitely. We kept on praying for his mercy, and we're experiencing his mercy, definitely. I don't want to go into that now. We're actually experiencing it. But it's judgment. I've explained it again and again. Please, let me just beg you, spare, the, spare me this argument for a moment. Let me just give you the truth. Try and believe it. Let's leave the devil out. The devil does not have that kind of power to take the whole world into his grip at a time. He doesn't have it. The only thing that can happen at such times is the judgment of God. Even the devil, all he can do is petition the judge. God the judge on such matters. So just take it from me like this. There is the anger of God manifested right now on the earth. I know there are preachers who will tell you otherwise. There are preachers that will say, I've heard them say that people like me are speaking blasphemy for this statement that I have made. Because we have this caricature of God that we created. I like the way Paul Brevet said it. He said that you are forbidden to make your own image of God. You understand? But we made an image. And our image is that of, let's just, just think about a person now. We have a head, we have his left arm, that's all we have. In fact, the head is not even complete. We only have half of it. But because of the side we saw him from, we are like the blind men they've spoken about who are touching an elephant. We touch a part of God and we think that's all there is to it. If I'm writing an article, it should come out shortly. I'm tapping the fullness of blessings that are in God. You cannot get the fullness of blessing that is in God unless you understand the different aspects of him. Moses had worked with God for a very long time. Yet for him to be able to pray effectively for Israel. Now, before you even get to, to that prayer, Moses, after working with God for a long time, he still asked God, I want to see you. He understood that. Now, this is the same Moses that God was bragging on how close they were. This is the same Moses that God said they couldn't challenge him because he was a different dimension of a prophet. The same Moses. The same Moses that God spoke to at the burning bush. The same Moses that God introduced himself to and said, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. The same Moses that when he said, who should I say sent me? He said, say, I am. That I am. He had introduced himself to Moses so well. They had spoken so well. Yet Moses understood that I don't understand him well enough. He said, show me your glory. And God saw his heart. (laughs) He said, oh boy, you can't take what you're asking for. So let's give you a bit of it. I will pass by you and then I will declare my name. The name of the Lord. And when God passed by him and he declared his name, the compassionate God. He described him who forgives sin. When he described God like that, Moses now prayed as a result of the revelation that God just gave to him. It made his prayer more effective. Before He was like, go with us now, go with us now. When God said, this is my name, compassionate God. He said, aha, you said it, compassionate God. You will forgive our iniquity and you will go with us. To get mercy for the people, to get God to go with them, he had to understand God. You can, many people can't this coronavirus, they can't pray. Why? Because they are praying, the devil, we bind you, we bind you. The devil said, I beg you, waiting concerning Ben Saniba, I don't know about this matter. Ah, why are you calling my name? You see Corona for my body? 
Say me if I'm hiding. I hope you're getting my point here. People, many people cannot pray effectively because they don't understand God. They just they, this is a character culture of God we have. Loving God, good God. Just God, we don't understand it. Righteous God, we don't understand it. The judge of the living and the dead, we don't understand it. The judge of the whole earth, we don't understand that portion of it. And so we take that portion and give to the devil. And God said, my glory, I won't share with anybody else. We have taken his glory and given to the devil a lot of times. So if we don't have understanding, our prayers are ineffective. Now listen to me, the world is suffering. And the world will continue to suffer. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son. If God wants to help the world, the only thing he can give is his children. The only thing he can give is Jesus Christ. What is the Jesus of today? The church. We are what? The body of Christ. If God wants to help the world, Jesus said, I do not pray for the world, I pray for them. I hope you're getting my point here. Because he understood the key to helping the world is the church. The key to helping the world is his body. So if you don't get the body right, the world is doomed. Remember that. Remember that. We said something the last time, that God has an agenda. Remember, I said something that I was speaking specifically, even though the principle applies generally. But right now, I'm speaking specifically to the church of God in Nigeria. I explained to us that God, the Bible says, divided the nations of this earth according to the number of the, is, of the sons of the true Israel of God. That's a matter of fact. So God wanted a nation, wanted a people called the church in Nigeria. So he created a country. And inside them, there is a church in Nigeria. Are you getting my point? That's what, you see, you must understand that in everything, there's what the Bible calls a seed. It said each fruit has seed in itself. So the seed of God, what, what the Bible says, God is looking for what? From your union, what? A, whole, a godly seed, thank you. God looking for what? A godly seed. So the union of northern Nigeria and southern Nigeria, God said it's supposed to produce for me what? A godly seed. Some of us are angry. Why should there be amalgamation? God said there has to be amalgamation because I'm looking for what? A godly seed. In everything, there is a seed. There is a seed. He said to each seed, he gives a body. So when God wanted to give a body to the seed that he kept in Nigeria, he created that country called Nigeria. And listen to me, that nation has served the seed of God. It may not have served our various tribes the way we like it, but it has served the seed of God. Pai Elton prophesied many years ago, that the time will come that the government of Nigeria will pay young people to preach the gospel. It sounds so crazy. How can the government of a country that's not a Christian country pay the young people to preach the gospel? But God knows what he's doing. He prophesied it. He said it openly that it will happen. Do you know it happened? It happened. Go one said, look, there's been a war in Nigeria. Let us reconcile the people. So he created National Youth Service Corps of which every young person that goes to a higher institution must participate in it. And it became a law in the country, a law that when people break, they lose their political offices till today. Ah, If you become chairman of a board, even if it's a private company, if someone doesn't like you, he will have you sacked by exposing the fact that you did not do NYC. I tell most people in Nigeria, I don't care whether you are called to ministry or not, if you finish university in Nigeria, please do the NYC. It's just one year. There are many ways to do it in an easy way. But do it so that you won't, because it has become the actually heal for a lot of people. 
But how did that how did that body serve the seed of God? Young people went everywhere preaching the gospel. Many of you listening to me right now, you, you participated in rural rugged. You were a minister. For one year, you didn't have to worry about food. God said, it's not much, but every month you get what you call alawi. Monthly allowance. You will get it. Guaranteed to come. There's never a time. Why won't it come? Before it will not come, Nigeria has to collapse completely. They pay you before they pay, <laughs> they pay the ministers. They pay you. With that money, of course, I like what NYC did. Sorry, NIFES. Is that the name? NFC. Sorry, NCCF. Okay, sorry. NCCF. NCF said, at the point in time, this happened after my own time. All Christian coppers, you will give us one month's salary. How you want to give it is your problem. Share it out little by little. They don't care. That they are going to use it to build their headquarters in each state. Can you see what God was doing? Basically, federal government is funding the establishment of NCCF headquarters in each state. In fulfillment of the word that came from the mouth of that prophet of God. That federal government will pay. Now, what many of us don't understand is that when God utters a word, we don't realize that that word sometimes may be broad. God may say that I will bless you with rain, so you think it will fall only in your house. It will, fall, it, will fall, it will not fall in the whole of Enugu state. But you are feeling so righteous and holy and different, you expect to start in front of your compound and end at the back fence. <laughs> Except that the thing starts in Nigeria, River. <laughs> and one day after you, you start waiting for the rain, it has not yet reached you. God is that generous. He said, I will bless you, you will be a blessing. It's because of you the rain came to Enugu. But it didn't fall on your house alone. That's how God just behaves. He said, hey, why not only on my house? God said, hey, listen, they accommodated you. Do you want to live alone in the bush? If I make the whole of Enugu bush, and I, I can do that, oh. they will rain on you alone. You like it like that? I said, no, you like it. If you like neighbors, neighbors too must eat. And that's why the rain falls like that. God wants to infiltrate people that say that they are a Muslim state. He sends them coppers. What can they do about it? You touch one of the coppers, the federal government sends police. You touch the second one, they send the army. You touch the third one, they build a garrison there. For whatever reason. Maybe it might be a political reason. They want to see that they are protecting the coppers. But God said, my will has been done. But the man of God prophesied it. So you must understand, God usually has something bigger that he's doing than we often realize. So I said last time, please, when we are praying for this nation, remember, the seed of God is in it. The seed of God is in it. God created his flesh around that seed. You see a mango seed, most of it is not a seed. It's a lot of flesh around. But the seed that God is looking for is that seed. So when you are praying, remember that seed. So I said last time, please remember, God created that expression. He said, I want this word spoken in heaven, or this phrase, the church of God in Nigeria. Don't worry about Zamfara State, or Anambra State, or Sokoto State, or Bono State, or, you know, um, Benue State. Remember, there's what? The church of God in Nigeria. I broke them to different pieces, and you need now, that's why, that's why we stopped. You need to pray my will to be done. The will of God is revealed so you can pray it into existence. God does not do anything except he reveals his will, his counsel to his servants, the prophets. 
Why does he do that? Because people, human, people that he has placed on the earth must utter their words to agree with God so that his will will be done. So he wants to deliver Israel. He said, I have to raise a Daniel. A Daniel will recognize what I have spoken. And that Daniel will begin to utter those words to me in prayer. Like I said at that time, it's not as if God forgets. He doesn't forget. But he says, those of you who remind the Lord, give him no rest. This is how it is. It's as if he's sitting in court. There are people who every day, remember, we began that, accusers and all, intercessors. What are accusers? Accusers are those who behold iniquity in Jacob. Accusers are those who behold iniquity in Israel. Accusers are those who behold iniquity in the body of Christ. And they, be, they so focus on the iniquity that is in the flesh surrounding the seed. They don't protect the seed. They are so focused. How come there's corruption in Nigeria? How come there is this in Nigeria? How come government is not doing this? How come there's power failure? How come is this? How come is this? And what you don't realize is that as long as you continue to behave like that, you have denied God part of his army. And you are now walking on the side of Satan. You discipline yourself. You know, we said we talked about it. Oh, for what? For the purpose of godliness. You can make up your mind. I will never focus on the evil that's in the nation. Let me tell you something. What you focus on, oh God, let me not go into that area now. Because many people, they've lost their place because of wrong focus. Do you hear what I said? They lost their place. Because they stay here, occupy till I come. They focus on what is wrong in the place. You know, I know you're an austere man. You reap where you do not sow. That's how they, they didn't use their talent at all. They were so focused of, on what was wrong with their master. Can, do you understand that? They gave the man talent. A mina. He didn't do anything with it. Why? <laughs> My God, you know the kind of person he is. He was so busy, focused on the negative side of his boss. The man came back. They had to throw him into outer darkness. You think those who multiply tenfold, they don't have problems? You think those who multiply twofold, they don't have problems? They had problems. But they said, no, we have a job to do. In the midst of it, listen, sometimes, you know, God says, I make my people jealous with those who are not my people. Sometimes you look at some businessmen out there. They asked Adi Kodangote once. I didn't read directly, I heard it indirectly, but I believe he said so. Talk about the risk of doing business. He said, the risk of doing business in Nigeria, they are great. He said, yes, they are enormous. The challenges are enormous. He said, but the rewards cannot be matched anywhere else in the world. That was what Dangote said. That just face the challenges surround them. What Nigeria gives back to you as reward, you can't match it anywhere. He said this before they, made it, they declared him the richest man in Nigeria, if I, in, in the world, in, the richest black man, the richest man in Africa. Last year, the man cement alone, they paid him how many million dollars? 200 and something million dollars, dividends in cement alone. The man said the reward eh, is plenty. He said, We know there are challenges. I remember. Akim Belo Sagi, I read that interview. He said the worst business decision of his life was when he dropped out of GSM license bidding. And they had crossed $200 million when he dropped out. That no, we can't make money. He said, that was the worst business decision of my business life. He said, now we know the, the real value of that license was $800 million. But those who stayed got it for $285 million. Christians are not ready to take a bit of beating. Because, and listen, there was no power at that time. When GSM was there, they were bringing each base station, two generators. Each base station, two generators. Nigeria at that time was consuming 60% of all generations, generators produced in the world. Some people saw it 
as the reason to say the country is bad. I say you don't, you don't have sense. It means we can afford it. We have more power than Niger. They can't afford it. We have more power than Mali. They can't afford it. We have more power than most African countries, but they can't afford the generators. They are in darkness. You think they are not buying because they have power? No, they are not buying because they can't afford. So they use their candle and Ogusha. People be so focused on what is negative. Yet those who don't claim to believe they are God, they said, just, just ride over these challenges. You'll be amazed at the reward. So they will start all kinds of things. Any business. Is it poultry? They will do. Is it sowing? We will sow. Is it digging? We will dig. Build anything, but they will not be found idle. But you see Christians who still think America is God. If I can just get there, I have prospered. Listen, what you focus on can deny you of your reward. That is the point I'm making. It can. You look at the flesh. You don't like something that are bad in it. And you focus on it. There is a seed inside it. And by the way, there is a seed inside you also that God said will only flourish in this environment. Let your light so shine. When you get to a place that is bright and there's plenty of light. Is that how you shine light? If you want to let your light to shine, if you find yourself in the midst of darkness, you amp- I mean, increase the amount of shining you can do. I remember that time when Charles Ludo was given the award, Banker of the Year. What did he do? Brilliant man we know. But he could do what he did because things were bad. So he woke up one day and made Nigerian banks stronger. They gave him the award internationally, Banker of the Year. Oh, there were so much problems in our, what do they call it? Medical, what it, medicine sector, that is, our drugs, pharmacy and all of that. Dora Kiyuli was raised up. She fought fake drugs until Transparency International gave her an award. I forgot how they described the award. She went to South Korea to go and collect it. They recognized the work she did. We still had more fake drugs than America. We still had more fake drugs than many African, neighboring African countries. But when the woman d- pulled us from the depth we were in to that place where we were, they said, no, this woman has been recognized. Many people are sitting down just looking for eh, where things are good. God said, I know things are bad where I kept you. But I put a seed inside you. If you will focus on that seed, you'll be amazed what you will do in the place of darkness. Listen. God said, I know things are bad. When I came to the earth also at a point in time, I saw things were bad. The earth was without form and it was void. And darkness was upon the surface of the deep. So I packed my things and took my angels to Pluto. I packed my things and decided to colonize Jupiter. It's a bigger planet. No. Oh, we said oh, this, this is too bad. This is too bad. We left here and went. In fact, we even left the Milky Way galaxy. No, he didn't do that. The Spirit of God began to brood upon the surface of the waters. And upon in time, what it was bringing upon erupted. Listen, what you focus on will eventually erupt. When he erupted, Moses heard it. All God said, boom! That's all God said. That one Moses wrote. That was not what God said. All God said was, boom! And light came. So Moses said, he must have said, let there be light. <laughs> because the response to the eruption from the heart of God was light. So Moses said, let there be light. Let me not take you there now. I've realized it. What God actually said. Is let there be energy. Why? What makes light light? What you call light is that you can see it. But if you study physics, you know it spans wider than that. God brought energy into the system. 
That's why he did not create his son until the fourth day. Who's looking? Whether there's light or not. What God was dealing with, what was? Energy. What is born and making? Yet, things were bad. What did he begin to do? He began to rearrange them. Have that victor's mentality. Know that God carved this nation. He carved the body. He said things may be out of order. Don't focus on what is bad. Focus on what is right. Focus on what we are supposed to produce in the midst of what appears wrong. You are an, inter- you are an accuser if you focus on what is wrong. If your focus all the time is on what is wrong, you'll be an accuser. And eventually you lose your position. Two areas you should focus on as an intercessor. One, that which is good already. That which God has done. But that should be 10% of your focus. 90% should be on what God wants to do. I hope you're getting my point. Why did I say that 10%? At least let's generate thanksgiving. We are not where we are supposed to be, but we are not where we used to be. I hope you're getting my point. So that generates thanksgiving. But what is prayer? Prayer is when God says he wants to do something, then we take those same words, which we derive from what he said, then we begin to declare them, both to him and into the environment. And we say to the Lord, do as you have said. We say to him, do as you have spoken. We say to him, do that which you have proposed. We give you the right because the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So we are here, we have right here. We have the authority. So we say, Lord, do as you have proposed. It doesn't have to be difficult prayer. If you do that, when the Holy Spirit wants you to speak tongues that are too hard to utter, that all you will do is groan, he will possess you. You don't fake groaning. You don't try to groan. Groaning is not practice. People say they practice groaning. Yeah, let's begin to groan. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. What? I'm not here to criticize you, but I don't think it's necessary. When something shook you, where were you? Do you get my point? When it didn't hook you, reach to man. <clears throat> but before you get to that point, just practice the simple one. Look at what Daniel said. Daniel began to declare, open shame belongs to us. He described all the things that God said. Confess their sins. He now said, and now, verse 15, O Lord our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. is a good thing in a country like this to remind God. Out of the history of idolatry, he brought your own people out and created a body for yourself inside the nation. And you have made a name for yourself as it is this day. In verse 16, he said, O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem. Simple. Your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach. Verse 17. So now, O Lord, listen to the prayer of your servant. That is, I'm the one praying, Lord. Listen to, your, to my supplication. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. God's eyes were not closed. He was just trying to say, compare this with your plan. For we are, not, we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merit of our own, but on account of your great compassion. He said in verse 19, Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen. O Lord, take action. For your own sake, O Lord, do not delay. Let me just stop reading here. 
Now, if you see what he did, just simple words. Words of confession. Emphasis on us. And I'm saying, please, people of God, we have to align the church of God to the work he has to do on the earth. This series began after we finished the prophetic series in which we're bringing forth the correction of God. We're bringing forth the correction of God. I like when the pastor Delvan said, I was listening to him. He said, right now, whether you like it or not, that God has granted the world Sabbath. I don't know what I heard that. That God said, everybody, rest. Planes are not flying. That's why he said the Naira is getting weaker and weaker. It is because most of the Naira is accounted for by um, petroleum products that we sell, that's crude oil that we sell. And people are not buying. They just now that they're trying to start flying again and all of that. And they were trying to emphasize that, please, everybody, in the period of rest, get the mind of God for your life. Get the mind of God for the church. I'm adding my own words to it now. Get the mind that it reset. Don't grumble and whine. Know that time has been granted to you in the midst of plenty of activities to reflect. Because, and you know God said that to Israel. He said, listen, you know God told them that Israel had a commandment. They were supposed to have a Sabbath every Saturday, you know that, every seventh day. I don't know whether it was Saturday or not, their own seventh day, all right? <laughs> they were supposed to have a Sabbath, and they were supposed to have Sabbath every seventh year. And that seventh year Sabbath, you know, they never, they never observed it. They did it. They did not observe it. All of them just overlooked it because it was not convenient. Imagine no work for a whole year. No farming for a whole year. Ah. You know what God said through Jeremiah? I will grant the land its Sabbaths. 490 years they abused the Sabbath. So God said you've been in exile for 70 years. Exactly. You know, sometimes I look at a country like uh, China. You know, there's no Monday, there's no Tuesday, there's no Sunday. It's around the clock walking. There are countries like that. Just take this word to all of them. God said, do anything you like. I will make you rest by force. I will make you rest. You see, people say that there's no God, there's no need to rest, any day. Just you walk, giddy, giddy, God. And Christians, listen to it. The Sabbath of believers is not compulsory. It's the seventh day, you won't walk, okay? But better sit down, use your tongue to count your teeth, like we say, and make sure you don't trust in your strength so much that you never have a day of rest. Because that's what, what marks out those who trust in their own strength. They can't let anything go. Their phone, they are in Bible study, like we said last time, the phone was on because a business contact might call. God said, don't worry. Continue like that. I will collect my rest from you by force. If you don't want him to do it, you know what to do? At least, when you go, like I said last time, just put off your phone. Put it off. And sit down. And they could go to him, I call you. He's not God. I said, the Lord is looking for who distribute this in Enugu. He's not God. <laughs> Tell him, ah, Ogatadela, please, sir, don't be angry. I have, a, I have a Bible study. I'm going to church. You know what? Let me tell you the truth about people like that. They will tell you, okay, when you are done, call me. You are the one that thinks they are God. That No, they are human beings. They fear God too. There was one man once who said that the man was blessed because you know, he would go to one big church when they gather in their camp, he would give them all the diesel they would use. I said, ah, This man fears God. Only for me to realize that no, he doesn't fear God. Well, he doesn't fear our God like that. He goes to the mosque also and shares with this word. All of you just pray for me. <laughs> just go around sharing diesel, sharing all kinds of things. So listen, take your rest by force. You're a businessman. 
Don't let, the, don't leave your, in fact, if they call you all the time, just let the boy know that, look, your phone is not on from 7 o'clock. It will come on, on next morning by 7 a.m. 7 to 7, I'm off. The night comet, no, when no man can walk. The rest of God, that's what I'm going to say. He will collect it. If you keep on offending him, the world keeps offending him, eventually he will collect his payment back. But that comes to us as punishment. Please, let's bear that in mind, all right? So the world, back to what I was trying to say. God, when things are happening like this, God is granting, like Pastor Devon said, God is granting us rest. But what we're bringing out is that the world has no hope except the church says things right. So we're talking about a country, the church in Nigeria now. What is the purpose God has for it? We deciphered it from the mouths of many witnesses who have said to us that the primary aim why God carved that nation out, the seed inside it, he said, your job would be to educate and enlighten the whole of the continent and from there spread revival to the rest of the world. We believe that. But we can't do that until our own houses are what? In order. We must put things in order. We are not going to be accusers. Accusers only see the things that are not in order. Like I said, you can look at things in the flesh. You can also look at things in the seed. That is the flesh around the seed. When I say in the flesh, I don't mean you being fleshly. I mean like, look at a fruit. The flesh around the mango. That's the nation. The physical nation. But the seed inside it is what? The church of Christ. Now, Accusers behold iniquity all the time. They are like Balaam. And what is Balaam's assignment? Balaam's assignment is to weaken the church. Balaam's assignment is to prevent the church from entering into the promised land. That was what happened. Balak, the king of Moab, said, come and weaken these people for me. Come and weaken these people for me. So Balaam said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. We will get up and behold iniquity in them. Then we will petition based on their iniquity. Before the judgment throne of God against them. So he offer seven bulls, seven goats, and he won't find any iniquity. He said, Come, let's go and look at another aspect of their lives. We have looked at their businesses here. Let us go and look at their family life. So they will go to another mountain. He will offer his sacrifices again. You understand? And those sacrifices, what they do is to open his eyes into the realm of the spirit so he can see. The man will look again. There is nothing. Let's go to another angle. At the end of the day, he said, he prophesied. God has not beheld any iniquity in Jacob. Why? Because as a matter of fact, they were covered by the blood of the sacrificial lambs that they were offering. That's the blood of Jesus that they were seen in advance. If you are going to be on the side of Balaam, that is, and Balak, all you will be doing is what? Looking for iniquity. You know that man I told you about? I was seeing something like that about one man I saw. I saw another one of his videos. I don't know how I keep... Okay, because... I do Christian things, so anytime, if you, if you go to YouTube for anything, they give you suggestions. So just, I saw that one, four, four demonic pastors. Is that it again? Four demonic pastors. And three of them, if I mention their names, they are people you know international, internationally. He mentioned three people that I recognize. And you now sit down there and spend one hour to analyze what is wrong in what they are saying. Many of the things he's analyzing, I don't even agree with him. I think he doesn't have even enough understanding. And you can take a man out of context deliberately. Do you get my point? That's why people like Daddy Freeze are working for Balaam. They're not, you see, they may give you right words, but they, are Balaam, they have a Balaamic spirit. 
And when God wanted to shut them down, he knew what he was doing. He just carried them, give them to one guy. The guy said, hush, everybody kept quiet. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> no, that's the way it works. <laughs> you know? The Lord knows what he's doing. Because if you sit down, all you do every time, and listen. Uh, okay, Muti, you have a friend. You know him. You know what I'm talking about. Every time is to pick up one minister and start analyzing his life. That is Balaam's operation. That's what Balaam does. And I'm explaining to you what that does is to weaken Israel and prevent them from entering into the promised land. I'm not saying we'll never see what is wrong. But what do we do? We take it what? To prayer. That is when we become intercessors rather than accusers. If you have anybody that every day he sits down, carry one man of God. Listen, many of the people, they are, they are tearing to pieces. I don't agree with those people too. But it's just not my job. Because what we end up doing is stirring up anger in the body, creating division. You stir up anger, creating division. You stir up anger, create division. The man is wrong. Nothing wrong with him. I'm not saying that you should agree with him. You come to your church, teach the truth. I hope you're getting my point. Take the truth and teach it. Emphasize on the teaching of truth. You can pick a doctrine. To correct, I mean, if your people are doing, like now you hear me do that all the time. I say, stop giving because you want to collect. God will not bless you for it. Then we teach the truth on how to give. And you continue to reinforce the truth. I won't go and collect one person. Some of the people I quote for you, eh? If, 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 you, if we talk one-on-one, if you see critical areas I disagree with them on, you'll be surprised. You'll be, you'll be amazed. I said there was a man who was preaching once. You know, they talk about racism. I look at the word and I laugh. I say, racism. You don't know racism. This man was preaching. If he, wasn't, he wasn't mincing words. He, he cursed one American president because he signed one declaration black people having, you know, all the desegregation and all of that. The man that enforced all the desegregation, this man, he, he cursed and died. He said, the black people that came from the bush the other day and this is on record. I have the tape. Unless I've lost it now. I have the message somewhere. I will be listening. I'll, I'll burst into laughter. I will, when these guys are when, when busy black people like this, eh? black people that don't know anything, that, I will just be laughing. After I went, my wife said, my husband, please, oh, why are you listening to this man? With all the things he's saying. I said, sweetheart, he knows some things nobody else I know knows. I explained to her, I said, ah, you hear me say this one? He's the one that taught me. I quoted a few things. I said, so my sweetheart, sorry. All these abuse, they abuse us. It goes soon past. Let's just, that, I was just waiting for that part of the tape to finish. <laughs> All I did was laugh. God sees my heart. I didn't take offense one bit. In fact, I felt sorry for him. Which was what Ben Carson said his mother taught him. Anybody's prejudice against you, discriminating against you because you are black, he said, feel sorry for his ignorance. He doesn't know anything. Don't get angry. I, and really, until my wife pointed out that day, I didn't even know I was supposed to be angry. I was, any man will start. Abuse black people, you're bursting into laughter. <laughs> but he preached his message long ago. And I said, please forgive him. Will he come and insult me now when I'm dissecting scriptures before his face? If he does that, then let God, his, his God judge him, not me. But the, what, what he didn't know, all this, when he was a young person, many black people around him, maybe they were slaves. Maybe his father's household had slaves when his father was a young boy. 
I said, forgive, forgive him. If you know, I didn't give you the person's name. I've quoted the guy a number of times. There are, some, there are two critical doctrines I understand. It's from his, in fact, about three. There are certain scriptures that the whole world is quoting upside down till today. It was from his mouth I got the correct meaning of it because he was a Greek scholar. There are certain things I practice in my life. It was from him I learned them. I have about three of his books that are critic. I won't lose those books for anything. He doesn't like black people. Who lose? Am I begging you to like, like me? For your information, I never beg anybody to like you. All you single boys. One woman, they do you shakara. Shakara, I'm back. Next time I call you, hang up the phone, I'm busy. They call you, they call you, they call you. You don't answer us. When you call, next time we'll hang up the phone. Three times in a row. Then you call, uh huh? Ada, what is it? I'm busy. Pam, bye bye. <laughs> Nonsense. Okay, I'm sure nobody could do it. Shakara. You quickly your married to avoid all this nonsense. <laughs> Honestly, don't, don't beg anybody to like you. If you don't want to like me, that's your problem. As a single man, nobody could do me that kind of You don't like me. Eh, just show me sign. I, I, I don't mean over sign. No. These days of GSM, if I was single and I called this my wife three times, she not return one call. I don't go call her again. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Monkey not fine. In my mind, like him. What are you talking about? <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> so some of these people that, you know, I just want to tell that, you know, trying to explain something. I disagree with them on the number of things. But it's not the most important thing. I could, if I want the one brother saw me, he said, Pastor Banky, if one of our brothers had ministered our last minister's meeting here, he just mentioned one man. He said, ah, I heard you quote this man. He said, hey, you and him, how far? I said, that man, don't mind him. I only quote him once. I don't quote him again. <laughs> because what the man preaches is very annoying. But he has this particular message. Till today, I listen to that message. Hot. Smoke. You know, there are messages you carry. Your phone will be overheating. For the anointing, you have to find how to be blowing the phone. Because the anointing inside the message is too much. So I overlook all the other nonsense the man says. I just focus on that one. I won't bring him to my pulpit now and be telling you all the other things he said that are wrong. Everybody is saying things that are wrong every day. I hope you know that. Everybody is saying what is wrong every day. So tell all those ministers that carry other ministers and be sharing them to pieces for us on social media every day. They are working for Balaam. They may think they have good intentions, but they are working for Balaam. And because of people like them, we will not be able to enter into the promised land. The rest of us must not copy them. No, we mustn't. What do we do? We don't focus on the iniquity that is in Jacob. We don't. We said it last time, many of the descendants of Jacob, they had problems. Yet Jesus chose to call himself what? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Doesn't mean Judah was a good man. So when we find what is negative, this is how we pray. This is the order for prayer. Now, we've chosen to be intercessors. Remember that? Intercessors will realize that our words are important. They are crucial for what God wants to do. It's not just 
like um, okay, as a Christian, you, you, you must pray. No. The words are crucial. What do I mean by the words? Just like Daniel, we take words to God in prayer. First of all, we understand what he wants to do. What is prayer? We just utter for him, Lord, do this. For example, let me give a simple example. This is how you know what God wants to do in the body of Christ. Just check the instructions he gave to us. For example, he says, go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel to every creature. You know what it means? It means that Jesus wants his body to be an apostolic body. Another thing we can do is check the prayers he offered for the church. That they may be one. You understand? As you, I, and I are one. That's a prayer point. Another way you find out what he wants to do, check the corrections he brought to the body. Read that Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. You see the things he said. Anything he says as a correction. You tolerate that woman called Jezebel. Oh, I'm happy you don't tolerate the, the, the Nicolaitans. All those that he says, they are prayer points. Because you hear him say things like, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, anytime God gives an instruction, anytime God gives a correction, I want you to bear this in mind. If God gives you a commandment, you discover a commandment from the word of God in prayer, you discover a correction that people brought to you. Like I said earlier, if people bring corrections to you, okay, you don't just obey what, change yourself because somebody says something. What do you do with it? You take it to meditation and prayer. Even when it is a correct thing that you know you must do that which is right. Listen to me. The knowledge of it does not confer upon your ability. It doesn't. The spirit must enter with the knowledge for you to be able to, to, be, for you to, be able to obey. Sometimes the word comes, it wants to move you. But the, ah, listen to me. The flesh can be stronger. The flesh can be strong. If I want man of God say, one of the reasons why you pray for a long time is that prayer is needed to kill unbelief. When I heard him preach, I taught a series. You can get, you can get that series titled The War Against, The Fight Against Unbelief. Because even though you think you believe the word, unbelief is a spiritual force in itself. Unbelief is not the absence of faith. Unbelief is every excuse you have, every reason you have deep inside your soul why the word of God will not come to pass. To shut down unbelief is a prayer war. It's a prayer war. See, all the people that are praying here are my enemies. You don't need to fight all those outside enemies, the witches and wizards and all the ancestral spirits. What you need is to fight unbelief. Let me say something to you. If you can fight unbelief effectively, you will walk on water anytime. I read in the papers today. Nigeria wants to devalue the Naira again because of the I said, keep on devaluing. You know, there's something I found out. I've said to you many times. I was old enough to appreciate. I was already handing money, even though as a student, when Naira was four Naira to the dollar. It didn't make me rich because it was four Naira to the dollar. Did it? I was poor. I was broke. Like they say, I was broke, busted, and disgusted. When it was 20 naira to the dollar, I was there. I was earning salary in Lagos at 17 naira to the dollar. Did it make me rich? No. I was broke, busted, and disgusted. When I started doing things like buying motor car, stuff like that, 
Naira was flying at 200 Naira to the dollar. Didn't stop me from owning the car. Do you get my point here? When it was 10 Naira to the dollar, there was no Kingdom World Ministries. You know, yesterday I had one of our messages. I think my wife was the one playing it. I said, I won't be giving figures again. I think I stopped it long ago when I'm preaching. Because it sounded funny. I said, you see, our broadcast bill is $200,000 a month. I paused into laughter. I said, that's why you're making noise? And that's a testimony? If I tell you how much it is right now, I won't say it because I will hear it in five years' time. It will be embarrassing. So let me just keep quiet. That time we were broadcasting on maybe two, three radio stations. Right now we're on 22. Not one is free. Not one is free. We broadcast as far as Gumbi, Odutaraba, Nasarawa, Baochi. All of those places. They air us several times a week. All of that was when Naira had hit, some of them was when Naira hit 400, that we hit that. So the difference, Naira to the dollar, did, when it was just 10 Naira, I was poor. Please, I hope you are following my point. So I was reading it. Listen to me. I'm talking about unbelief. Unbelief is when you focus on it, my business will not do well. You focus on it, I will not be able to do what I'm supposed to do. You focus on those things, and listen to me, they literally cripple you from doing what you are supposed to do. Be careful what you focus on. That's the point I'm making. Be very careful. Be very, very careful what you focus on. I was explaining something. That if God gives instructions, all right, you will not follow it automatically just because you desire it. I said knowledge in itself, the awareness of a commandment does not give power to you. So if unbelief inside your body is fighting your ability to obey that word, don't worry about it. Take it to God in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. What do I mean by that? Let me give an example. Just example just came to my mind. I don't mean this to insult anybody, okay? But you know, when we were young those days, they used to talk about people having an Ijebu spirit. What do they call an Ijebu spirit? Aradite. Their money is gummed. Now, just to get it clear for people who don't understand. The Jebu spirit does not mean you are stingy, really. It just means that you use all your money to do what you can see. So there's no spare change. So the man is wearing torn clothes, but he has three houses. And he can't give you anything for free. That's the spirit. Assuming you were brought up with that kind of spirit. Nothing draws from you free. Then you now read the scriptures. Don't let me go into that side. I've seen people with you. Their own is not a Jebus spirit, they are evil spirit. When it comes to money, evil. As we had an evil spirit like that, you can't share. You are grabby, 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 grabby. If you give your life to Christ, let me tell you something, it will not go away. I find it's not one of those things that go away easily. Yes, there's what is called the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. It doesn't wash away with baptism. The Bible leaves that for the job of what? Renewing the mind. You start renewing your mind. Alright? So you get a word of understanding that says that God loves a cheerful giver. You get a word of understanding that God gives grace so that we have all sufficient in all things and are bound to every good work. We get a word of understanding that God ministers seed to the sower and bread for food. You get all those words. Yet your hand does not release. Let me just tell you something. If somebody is preaching, say, give your last 
last night right now, and God will do something special for you. Don't answer him. Now, I don't mean he's a bad person, though. Because, listen to this. If you do it without faith, as soon as you step out from there, your heart will become unsettled. And any reward in it, you just lost it. The Bible says that let's not get tired of doing good, for we shall reap a reward if what? If we faint not. So, if you are going to faint, as I tell you, see, don't, let me just drop this one for you. you know, we drop aside things. Stop making pledges under pressure. If you go to church and pastor has brought one fire brigade man that knows how to drill money out of your pocket, don't answer anybody. It's my personal counsel to you. Don't answer anybody. Hear everything they have said. They say, who will come forward right now and give one million naira? Don't get up. I instruct you, don't get up. Do you know why? Most of those who do regret it. Now, not because giving is bad, but because you must never give under pressure. Hear what they have said. He said, God said, we will bless people. Today, today, he will still bless some people tomorrow, tomorrow. So don't worry about it. Go home, settle down. Take that matter to prayer. Say, Lord, I just came from church. It looks like my pastor is in distress. That man of God that came is also in distress. How can, what can I do in, under these circumstances? God can tell you that, all right. See, this is why they need money. But I don't want you to participate in that. Take this other one as a project all by yourself. I know one man, when they wanted to situate a university in his home state, you know, they had to negotiate. You know the way it is. Government wants to stay, um, open a new university. Which town will take it? He wanted it to come to his hometown. So he went to the gov- government at that time and said, if you put it in my, in my local government, I will build the administrative building. He said, put the university in my area. The admin block is mine. The university came to Israel. What I was for that reason or not, I don't know. Okay? But you know what he began to do? He, had a, he was a big businessman. Big. He had a particular business. He just said, any profit from this business is building that building. It took him years. I don't know whether he finished before he died. Every time you go there, they keep massive thing. They kept on growing. Kept on growing. That's what he did for them. Sometimes that's what God will tell you to do. Go there. Do this. And he will give, let, me, let me tell you something about giving. I found out. God usually gives you the wisdom to give what you want to give. Usually he does that. Sometimes we say, listen, oh boy, this money you have saved is not necessary. It's from understanding. So what do I do? Share it into three. That one, give them one third. This one, do it like this. And then the rest, you and your wife go and eat it. Sometimes he will tell you, don't worry about it. Don't be under pressure. That project they are talking about, they won't finish for the next two years. So every quarter, drop this for it. God, do- listen, he knows what he's doing. When he gives an instruction, he gives the ability to perform. So that's why I said, don't let anybody put you under pressure. Go home, go and pray. That's my emphasis. So when you get that kind of instruction, we're talking about that, your negative spirit, remember that evil spirit? <laughs> Don't let anybody, just go home and pray. I have seen the scriptures. And every day, read the scripture. Every day, read it. Don't try and compete with anybody. Don't try and perform. Don't try and impress God or impress yourself. Don't bother. God does not take from you what he has not placed inside you. 
Before he took Isaac from Abraham, he first gave Abraham Isaac. When he didn't want Isaac again, he put a lamb there by himself. Say, go and take that lamb and offer it to me as a sacrifice. That is why all this one I'm giving to God. God said, relax. It's my thing in the first place. When, look, let's not sit on that, that teaching. So what God does is that when he wants you to do something, he pours the ability into you. Anyone you do with your strength is polluted by flesh. It is not an acceptable sacrifice. So what does, this, what does this say? Take the word. Go to prayer. Lord, you know my negative spirit, stingy spirit, self-centered spirit. Only trying to gather for myself on the earth spirit. But these are the words I've heard. Sanctify me by your truth. Your word is truth. God loves a cheerful giver. Do that regularly. Don't try and give. Did you hear what I said? Don't try. Just say, God loves a cheerful giver. He gives it to the sower and bread for food. Just keep on declaring it. You know what, what will happen? One day, you will give out all the money you have. You will borrow to give. You will give out your share. You won't even know. Your friend will answer, relax now. Uh-uh. The one you are giving is not enough. You won't even know you have become a giver. Why? The spirit will have entered into you and set you on your feet. Just keep on eating the word. Let me tell you, the key to change is constantly eating the word and taking that word to God in prayer. You will change. No, that's just the way it works. That's the way it works. So what am I going to say? We just take not difficult things. We want to pray for the church. Now we understand we are part of it. We understand we have to set it on the right agenda. Are you getting my point? One of the things we do, we just look at the things that Jesus has said. The correction he has brought. We say to him, thank you, like Daniel did, all right, for the work you did. You brought us out of Egypt. You have brought us out of Egypt where tribes people before, where idolaters before, where normal Nigerians before. But amongst, from the midst of all of this, you created a church for yourself. We'll give you thanks. Simple things like, the spirit of apostleship, pour it upon your church in this country in the name of Jesus. Simple. Because you said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Let us be one. Lord, let the Catholic and the Anglican the Pentecostals, whatever it is, let them be one. Now, listen, how he will solve it is his own issue, not yours. Lord, let us not tolerate Jezebel. Every spirit of Jezebel that flourishes on our pulpit, Father, in the name of Jesus, remove it. You will pray a prayer that will close your own church down, and you will not even know. Because God will go and want your pastor. This Jezebel team must stop. No matter what you see. You know, people have said it before. Like I, people said that. These Christians, how come they have so many, so many Bibles? Have you heard that before? What do they call so many Bibles? King James Bible. New Living Translation. Revised Standard. Amplified Bible. Good News Bible. New American Standard Bible. I know. A message Bible. They say we have so many Bibles. No, the Bible will say things. Just know they have no understanding. Why do you have so many denominations where people start shouting? Don't focus on those things. You just simply sit. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the midst of all these denominations we have, let us be one. In the process, God may remove one or two bishops. Sure you know. 
But you never said to him, let us be uh, remove any bishop. You just said, Lord, let us be what? One. That's how the prayer is done. Anything you find, like now, we did a series then, that's just before now, talking about the prophetic word for the season. Every correction we brought, take it to God in prayer. Ask him for the church. Now, please, anybody listen to this, if you're not Nigerian, use it for the church in your country. But I don't, personally, I feel like we can do the global church after a while, but let's each narrow down first to the divisions that God has by himself divided. It makes praying easier. If God has located you to another country, and you have become part of the body of Christ there, take their matter up in prayer. Don't let Satan harass you into agreeing with crazy things like ordaining homosexual bishops. You now start making excuses for Satan. You know what I call excuses for Satan? Telling my wife the other day that one of the things I don't want, if I told you here before, don't remember, don't touch that scripture. What did I say? Can you remember that? Don't touch that scripture. Say it after me. One more time. Anything that God has spoken, if you don't understand it, leave it like that. Don't speak against it. Where the people, got, because what Satan, the, where, this is, listen, I like one thing Pastor Devon said. That only human beings have the power to stand God down. God wants to move, they will say no, and that's it, they can't move. He's the one that gave them that power. I can assure you, that applies especially to this earth. And Satan knows it. So what does he try to do? He can't, if God wants to move, and you agree with God, forget it. Nothing can stop him. So what Satan does is to make us disagree. Has God really said? So when God says something to him is an abomination, Satan will now come to the church people and say, listen, you can't be seen not to be inclusive. Like our, no, our snow bro said, if a, if a gay man wants to serve God, who am I to judge? Is it, can you remember that? You can serve God, but I will judge iniquity when I see it. I will tell you what is wrong is wrong. I, I'll just read the scripture out to you, what the Bible says. I'll tell you what he calls abominations. Do you get my point? Don't let the, see, what the world does is to change your mind. Once they can change your mind, you start reasoning like them. Once they can change your mind, you start reasoning the way Satan wants you to reason. Come, the hand of God is cut off. Just by the way, let me drop this one. We'll close. I'm watching my time. If somebody tells you the age of miracles is gone, all right? Reject it in Jesus' name. What did I say? You are not seeing miracles every day. It's because you are not walking it, not because the age has passed. I hope you're getting my point. Once Satan helps us, in quotes now, drag us to that level when we say the age of miracles is gone, what happens is that God cannot move with his miraculous power. But when we see the scriptures, ah, that God, these stories we heard that time, is this story? It can't be story now. You now go and pray like Peter. Lord, we are going out to pray, uh, to preach you. Please grant that mighty works will be done at the mention of the name of Jesus Christ. Utter that prayer every day. Oh, it's a prayer I pray now. I pray it. I pray all the time that, Lord, as your word is going forth, let it go forth with hidden power. 
Let it go forth with miracle working power. Let it go forth with the power that transforms people. Let all kinds of sicknesses be healed. Why? See, because I read that that's what the word does. He sends his word and does what? It heals them. They came to hear him and to be healed. Anything you see in scripture is supposed to raise a standard. They will start fighting towards that standard with prayer. Let's stop it here because of time. That's the assignment we have as believers in Christ Jesus. Let me end, this, end with this. We are not accusers, amen? We don't work for Balaam. Say it, we don't work for Balaam. Ah, it looks like you are working for Balaam. I said, say we don't work for Balaam. It's obvious you are not working for Balaam. Some people are still trying to work for Balaam. If you whisper that, you are a Balaam worker. Let's try one more time. Say, we don't work for Balaam. We don't work for Balaam. Very good. We don't work for Balaam. What does Balaam do? Look for faults. Broadcast faults. Accuse based on faults. Those who work for Balaam, who work for Balak, they prevent, they, their aim is to prevent Israel from entering into the promised land. Do we see faults? Of course we do. But what do we do with faults? We do it, we. And we ask God to have mercy and to correct that which is wrong. Then we see the things that he said he wants to do. Every day we leave them to him in prayer. And I ended with one point. Even though we are not seeing it yet, that's the reason why we continue to pray about it. The name of Jesus should be working wonders around us every day. Let me give you a sneak preview like they say. You will see it very soon. Amen. It will soon happen. Eh? Somebody say, day six, eh? where you go? Hospital. Why are you doing hospital? Come, now me and my brother are praying in the evening by five o'clock. By the time we are done with you, you will be well. I don't know what I got on what my point. They will tell you that somebody is equal. They rush into us with a wind. Say 8 o'clock this morning. 8 o'clock this morning. Say, ah, you call your guys. When is our prayer meeting? You say it's 5 o'clock. Let's stop in the hospital on our way. Say they, they don't have money for surgery. Don't worry. The surgery, uh, there are things you say. You're not guessing, no. Don't worry. The surgery will not be needed. So all the guys will meet there by 3.30. People have arrived? Yes. Anybody brought oil? Yes. Give me the oil. Surround the bed. <laughs> Next morning, they will discharge the individual. Doctor will say, okay, you know, one of the things that doctors, uh, God does, the senior doctor will come and say, the junior ones made the wrong diagnosis. It's not wrong. All that happened was that you came, you mentioned the name of Jesus, poured oil on the individual, and said, guys, our primary is by 5 o'clock, let's go. Then the fellow gets well overnight. The senior doctor comes in the morning and says, those boys don't know what they are doing. The, the fellow got healed overnight. It will become a regular occurrence. Amen. Beginning from now. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow down. Let's give our thanks for today's word. Let's thank the Lord indeed for the word that um, he has sent to us again. Let's thank him for the spirit of intercession that has been poured upon his people, upon you, upon me. Let's thank him for correction. Yes, some of us have been corrected. Let's thank him for encouragement. Some of us have been encouraged. 
Let's give the Lord thanks for instruction. Some of us have been instructed, and we just walk with the instructions of God in our lives. So let's just give God thanks. That's all we're doing. We're just giving him thanks. And say, Lord, thank you for correcting me in this area. Thank you. For encouraging me in this area. Thank you. For rebuking me in this area. Thank you. For giving me instruction in this area, thank you. Thank you because I now know what to do. Thank you because as I open my mouth, you said you will feel it. Lord, we give you praise again. We bless your name. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I like to share the grace in fellowship as we go. For those who are not used to it, just open our magazine. You see that at the back, the last inner page is how we share the grace and fellowship. All right, one, two, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil. Because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you just bless somebody around you, two people? So this is your season. One other person, this is your season. The last one for yourself, this is my season. Some dominion and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, cheer up, brethren. See you on Saturday.